Amen. All right, so we're going to be in the book of Mark today. Uh, I have a, I have a, this is what it is, I have a short message with a really long introduction, okay? <laughs> that was funny, sort of. You know, I have a joke for you, I'll tell you a joke. I'm trying to get better at telling jokes, I'm not that great at telling jokes. Uh, like actually a story joke, so there's this little girl in school, she's in, she's in kindergarten and she's drawing, you know, a fish in a story and her teacher walks up and says... There is no way, and it's Jonah in the well. She had heard the story, and the, the, late, the, the teacher's like, there's no way that Jonah fit in a well. And um, the little girl's like, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big fish. It was a big well. And they fit in that well and lived in that well. And the little girl looked at her and just replied, well, I'll ask Jonah when I get to heaven. And the teacher goes, what if Jonah doesn't go to heaven? And the little girl looked up at her and said, well, then you can ask him. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Finally, I have a good joke I had to borrow from somebody else. So, so uh, you know, I heard one time that, you know, we're all like the, you know, the, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. We're all about righteousness. We all want peace, but none of us want to be happy in church. <laughs> you know, we don't, we, if, if, if your pastor's not full of joy, that's okay. He's righteous. But there's a fullness that we have, so joy's one of those. That's free. I'm not going to charge extra tithe for uh, good jokes. I would be flat broke if I got paid according to good jokes. So, yeah. Um, so what I want you to do, I want you to jot down three things that you want to see God do in you, for you, and or through you. Just write down three things. It might be, it might be I don't want to be addicted anymore. It might be I don't want to be depressed anymore. It might want to be I want to be free of blank uh, just write down three things, just w- three words, not, not anything long. We're not going to pick, I'm not going to, of course, pick them up. Just write down three things and have, a, have in your head three things you want to see God do in you or for you or through you. Okay, and I don't want you to like shift them a lot, okay? Because if you really, uh, we, we, need to, we need to winnow it down, narrow it down to what are we hoping for this year? What are we hoping for this year? More of what? If the kingdom of God is always expanding, then we should expect an expansion always in our lives and through us all the time. So we should always start seasons or years with hope. And it should always be wrapped around what we want God to do for me and in me and through me instead of, I hope my kids get it right. Right, Mom? <laughs> my mom's here today and Ed, so my dad. So, uh, so we, we don't, we don't want to always have it, I hope they get it right. But we want to say, what do I want God to do in and through and for me? And we should have some of that down so we know how to pray and we know how to move towards those things. So we're in a series called My Healer, and I'm gonna, I've repeated this every time. We're calling it My Healer because we want to talk about God's presence and what it does for us more than just how do we get healed. Because we can see people, and we see it in the, in the New Testament a lot in the stories, a lot of people get healed, very few begin to follow and become disciples. But we want to get, there's something in his presence of this that you and I are called to both go and get prayer when we're sick and then to pray for people who are sick. There's no way we can get around that. Most of us believe that abortion is wrong, even though it doesn't say abortion is wrong in the Bible. But few of us believe 
I should go get prayed every time I need sick, every, every time I'm sick, even though it's in the Bible, go get prayer. And most of us don't believe I'm going to pray for people like lay hands and speak out loud and pray over them and believe, even though it's in the Bible a lot more times. So we have some beliefs that are kind of, um, which are right beliefs, but they're not like in the Bible. But then the ones that are in the Bible of get prayer for healing and pray for healing, we don't do. In fact, we spend most of our conversation around healing talking about why God doesn't heal everybody. And so we talk a lot about our beliefs of why God doesn't heal and what your part is, why you don't get healed, and what my part is, is why my praying for you doesn't work, instead of working on this idea that God wants us healed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after one big belief barrier to healing. And I have four or five, but I thought I would focus on this one. And, um, and I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself in this area where you need healing in one of those three areas. Because healing can be deliverance. It could be salvational healing. It could be relational healing. It could be freedom from addiction. Okay, so healing, that word sozo, is the completeness of that. So it's one, this is one of the, of the big barriers. And, but I want you to decide or ask, don't you decide, ask God, is, do I have a wrong belief? I'm praying for these very things, but I have a wrong belief about it that keeps me from asking you or keep me from pursuing these things. And um, we'll go from there. All right, so... This is the one big barrier. It may not be God's will. It may not be God's will for so-and-so to get healed. It may not be God's will for me to get healed. That's a big barrier. Now, there's a giant club down here called District 249. It used to be called Red River. Um, and I went there for a birthday party last night. And I got to hold my, my nephew's daughter named Liberty. She's like six or seven months old. She's a beautiful little girl. She's my great niece. What's interesting, nobody in there would want me to, allow me to, hurt her to teach her a lesson. You would be horrified if my kid, if they were little, like, there was also like a five-year-old niece, a great niece of mine. If she was running and I tripped her down the stairs and made her break her bone and I was happy and says, serves you right, taught you a lesson, you won't do that again. You'd be horrified, right? In fact, we'd all get on the call CPS. God likes to punish us to teach us a lesson. God likes to give us disease, break our arm, keep us addicted, make us miserable in order to teach us a lesson. And he he doesn't. He doesn't. So it may not be God's will is a big thing. And here's what we do. We go to church and say we sing he's a good, good God. And yet we teach he punishes us and puts us in pain and hurts us. Like a bad, bad father. There's a guy, I forget who it is. He says that if, if, if God acted as, if we acted like God, if we acted to our children, like, like we say God acts towards his children, we would all be child abusers. So I want us to really, and I've said some of these things before, but I'm putting it all together. I want us to get this, this ridiculous belief out of our mind. It is not God's will for you to be sick for you to be addicted, for you to be diseased, okay? It's not God's will. Now, now there's some things wrapped around that that become difficult, okay? Here, here's another example. If I, this morning, got up here, grabbed my heart, threw my arm up and said, help me, Jesus, and fell on the ground and started turning blue, Patsy's a nurse. Patsy comes running up here. She's going to start working on me. 
Stop. Don't try to help him. But we don't. No, I don't know how to pray because God might really enjoy seeing them eaten up with cancer. God might love them to be addicted. It's their fault. God can't do anything because it's their fault. It's really a ridiculous image. Yet we, we have in our, in our belief system, it seems to always be along here. Always, always, always be along here. And so the simplicity and foolishness of my faith is to pray for people that they would live and be alive and be live well and full of life until they die. <laughs> and then when they die, to maybe pray to, re- pray to resurrect them from the dead. That's the walk of faith. That's, that's purely not based on anything that's in my power. Except my, 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 my childlike faith through accesses me to a different area, a different land, a different storehouse that has healings in it. And um, so I want to I you know, go in that direction. And uh, so I want us to start with, it is God's will, not I don't know if it's God's will. And this is what's interesting. We sometimes assume for people it's God's will. I've judged them as unworthy of healing because they've smoked for 40 years. Therefore, it must not be God's will to heal. Worthy of healing. So I'll pray a different prayer for them to be healed. So if God looks at us as his children, whether I'm a 55-year-old man who smoked since I was 15, or if I'm an 8-year-old pure kid, God looks as as the same. He's not judging the 55-year-old, the 65-year-old, as being more wicked and less deserving than the 8-year-old. So when we do that, we are actually saying God is like us, and we're making God in our image. And we're, and we're saying, let it be done here on earth. I want to see that happen in heaven. I want your agreement with what I believe here on earth. Instead of, I want to take, I want to agree with what's in heaven and pull it down into earth. And we do that by faith. We do that by uh, simple faith. We do that by a ridiculous faith. And we do that by a foolish faith. And uh, I heard a great phrase. I don't know who said it. But it's that faith isn't blind Faith is actually visionary. Faith is actually visionary. So when I have faith that God wants to heal, I'm not being stupid and blind and saying, oh, you're really, your leg's really not broken. You really didn't fall on the ground. Your kid's really not sick. You're just saying, I have a vision of something happening way bigger and outside of the physical realm that I'm seeing right now. Uh, remember... Um, he hospice in our home, and we, we've, you guys know that. And uh, so what is our prayer for somebody who's that old, who's in their 80s? And I, I think the Lord gave me an answer this week. So any of you that are in your 70s or 80s, listen closely. <laughs> um, I was like, God, how do you pray? Because I told Christian, you, don't, you can't pray that a person lives forever. But I didn't know then what do you pray for. I know you pray for comfort, you pray for peace, you pray for clarity of mind, you pray for the kids around them because there's grief in that area. And, um, but this week I felt like the Lord's saying, why don't you pray, I wrote it down here, why don't you pray for, for me, I'm 55, why don't you ask me for every day I've promised you? Why don't you ask me for every minute I've promised you, for every breath I've promised you? That they would be strong, they would be Caleb-like, they would be full of vision, they'd be full of life and peace and hope and joy. Does that sound like a good prayer? 
Ask for, ask for it. And I believe each of us are supposed to grow into old age. I, I think that 65, 75 is way too young of an age. So just ask for that um, for ourselves and the people around us. And then that gives us a vision for I, my, my day-to-day, regardless of how old I am, has great, great purpose. All right, so I've covered Matthew when I start my message. But in Matthew, uh, I mean, in Mark 9, I'm going to go to Matthew 8 when I start my message. But remember the father brings the sick boy to the disciples. They can't heal him. And Jesus comes off the mountain, and there's a big hubbub because they can't, they can't heal him. And Jesus actually uh, kind of ignores the situation for a bit, prays for the boy. The boy doesn't get better. He actually gets worse for a moment when Jesus comes in, and then the boy is uh, healed. And Jesus says some, something here. The dad says, if you can, please heal my son. And Jesus responds with an if. Remember, it's like, what do you mean, can I heal your son? Of course I can heal your son. There's no if about it. There's no if about it. There's no can God heal. And, and that, that's another barrier. But I, I want us to see what Jesus says in this area here before I get to we will. Because Jesus says something really amazing that contradicts a lot of what we believe. How many of you like to be contradicted? <laughs> we don't. So don't read your Bible. Because the Bible is constantly contradicting what our soul wants to declare is true, what our experiences want to declare. And we look towards the Bible often to, to agree with our judgments and our dislikes and our hatred instead of letting it contradict us. So this contradicts. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, it's possible that this boy will be healed because I am now here. He doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say your son will be healed today because you've been a really, really good man. What does it say here? It says, everything is possible for one who believes. So he says, it's not, it, it, it's not if, it's not will, it's will you believe. If you believe, what you believe. In, that contradicts a lot, of our, a lot of our stuff. If God will, if God wants to. I, I've heard a lot in the last few years People say, well, I was addicted for 15 years, but God wanted me there to teach me something. It's a real sick thing because it's like, because God wanted to rob me of my health, of my relationships, of my potential to, to guide my family. God wanted me, it's teaching me. It's because God is such a poor communicator that he can't whisper something in my ear and change my entire life. But he can. That's how he prefers to teach us. And the amazing thing about God is not that he gives us sickness, but that he actually can teach us through circumstances if we're listening to his voice. But we all know people that for decades have gone through circumstances that have put them in pain, and they've never once learned a lesson. Him. So everything is possible for one who believes. That's Mark nine twenty three. Now, the father's belief puts him into contact with the presence and power of the Lord. Now, we're going to talk next week about that you don't try to energize your faith and make your faith big. Because then your faith becomes in your power. And then you need a lot of it. And you need some energy. You need to like get it. But it's really not. It's just that the, 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 whenever it says in the Bible your faith has made you whole, it's really your faith has connected you to the one who makes you whole. Your faith doesn't do it. Your faith connects you to the one who does it. 
So we want to get, we want to get some, make, make sure that's right. But I want to tell you that God's will is not some, some controlling force that is keeping you from, from sobriety. God's will is not some controlling force that's keeping you being a really mean, ugly person. God's will is not some controlling force that he's like, I've decided for 15 years you will deal with depression. God is not uh, that. So when we hear sovereignty of God, most of the teaching on the sovereignty of God tries to dissolve individual responsibility, more importantly, individual will and permission and choice that we have. So a lot of us have strands of attachment uh, underlying this will of God thing that, that, that really presses a lot if you, if you want to, if you will. I don't think I deserve it, so why would I ask for it? How many times did you go ask for a raise if you don't think? You don't start asking for a raise. I don't think I deserve this, but I really want it. You would say, I think I deserve it. So if you don't deserve healing from God and that's your belief system, then why would you ask him? If you believe God has set in place a time for you to be addicted and he's in control of your addiction, then you've just said, I have no control. Why would I go to the person who's, who's given me a miserable life and ask him then to help me? Because he obviously likes me where I'm at and he's teaching me something there. And uh, you know, scripture says that all will be saved. All, I'm not all will be saved. Scripture says that God wills for all to be saved, but also says that all will not be saved. God, what God wants doesn't always come to pass. God, God never wanted anybody on earth to be raped. God never wanted anybody on earth to die early. God never wanted Cain and Abel to have a fight where one brother would kill another. God never intended for one child to be left unattended or left hurt or abused. God never intended for there, any person ever to be divorced, by the way. Ever, ever, ever. But just because God doesn't get his will doesn't mean there's not amazing things that come out of all of that, okay? And just like all won't be saved, all won't be delivered. We, you know, we, a lot of this teaching on sovereignty and God's will is, is like takes out mystery, takes out relationship. It says this is how we exactly know if we're good or bad or if we're in the will of God or not. And it's, it's not very healthy for us. So... I think we also have a say in God's will being released into the world around us. And we're going to look at that whenever I start my message. <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, so just declare this with, with me. I have a say in my healing. I have a say in my freedom. I want to say this. I have a say in my friend's healing. I have a say in my friend's freedom. And you don't take that upon yourself as a responsibility that I'm responsible for them to be healed or free. But I can actually now ask myself, what am I doing with what I say? What are you doing with what you say when somebody comes and says, I'm depressed? Normally, we put our arm around them and say, I understand. And we think that that's godly. We think that that's Jesus. Or we go... We need to start doing these five things. And we think that that's Jesus and the principles that his life are built on. But there's a third option where we say, hey, come into the presence of the Lord with me and meet somebody that can set you free completely. So at the journey, when we're, when we're thinking about that, you know, we, I, I have no problem with 
five points. Here's five things. If you're depressed, here's five things you should do. I think those are awesome. If you're poor, here's some things you can do to at the end of the year, you'll have more money. I believe those principles work. They work outside of the church. They work inside of the church, but they work really well supernaturally when you add the Holy Spirit in them, when you add the presence of God stuff in there, okay? So I'm not, I'm not opposed to here's the book, here's the plan, here's what you do. And really, if, you, if you're struggling with any certain thing, you've actually made choices choosing those things to get to where you are right now in your relationships, in your mind, in your body. And so, but you, so you can start choosing again, but sometimes our chooser is broken. But if we surrender all to him, he begins to give us a whole new set of uh, reasons and a whole new set of choices. All right, so turn to Matthew 8. Matthew 8, verse 1. I'm going to go through a few verses here in the next 10 minutes on Matthew 8. And I want you to replace in here. So Matthew 8, when Jesus came down from the large crowds, uh, the mount, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And I want to connect this to what Stevie said about surrender. So imagine yourself. You Put yourself in this story. I came with depression and I knelt before him and I said, Lord, if you're willing, you, you can make me clean. And Jesus will reach his hand out to you and make you clean. It's really... That's the practice. Over here, you find a bunch of people that are depressed, and you stick with them, and you learn all about why you're depressed, why it's not your fault, why it's maybe something in the past, why, why, why things won't help you. And over here, you get on the rat race, and you get on that little, that little mouse thing, that circle, circle, what's that called? Wheel. What's called isn't it called a certain wheel? Tre- what? Hamster wheel thing. I could, I could see a little fuzzy thing. All I see it was a rat. That's all I could see. So it's a hamster wheel, not a rat wheel. We have rat traps and hamster wheels, except they're almost the same, aren't they? One has better marketing campaign than the rats. Um, so we get on this over here, but there's this third option. So what if we took all the energy into not being depressed and we actually took that hour a day we're on Google MD and we took it and went to Google to Jesus MD. I mean, really, I mean, I was talking to, I asked David Geyer. I don't, I don't see David here. I know he was here. David's back here. David has, uh, if you, if you ever know, David's quite an attractive man with a, an attractive head, right? He's got some scars up here cause he had some surgery and he, he, he has to he's taken pills for since when I can't remember. 1984. As he take those pills, he, he, he talks about it. He, he talks to God about his healing. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, that's like he's still, he's still taking his pills. And he, and, and, and so, but you, you, you engage with Jesus and at least start a conversation about your depression. Maybe you go before him and you don't have the faith to say, if, if you will, if you're willing, but maybe you have to say, do you want me to be depressed? Is that, is that your lot in life for me? And if you hear yes, that's the devil. 
You have to hear no. If you, and if you can't get to hearing no, that you don't deserve this or this isn't your lot, then you, need, you might need some help of somebody praying for you or challenging. You might need a spiritual gift of deliverance, break you through so you can start hearing, no, this isn't you, no. We're called, we're created to have a promised life. Our whole story is lined out in the Old Testament with the exodus of coming, coming out of slavery through a desert into an amazing place that's beyond what we can believe. We're each called into a promised life, right? Who wants a promised life? And we have parts and bits of it, but there's more that we can be having. So, so go down to verse 13. This is the centurion that comes. You can go read it. It's, verse, it's chapter 8 and some into chapter 9. I, I was reading these a lot. Uh, actually, I was listening through Scripture on Monday, and I was going to listen through Matthew, but I got stuck on Matthew 8 and 9. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. So if you look at your three things that you wrote down and you have in your mind, Jesus is saying, let those things be done as you think they would. Of course, they have to line up with his will, what he wants. But does he want your kids to serve the Lord? Does he want your marriage to thrive? Does he want... You, for, for me, does, if you want to travel, does he want you to travel? An upgrade in your ministry gifts, does he want to give those things to you? Of course he does. But he's, he's saying that what you, what, you want, what you want is what he will give you. And it's not, it's not the, I want the Lexus or the Bentley or the Mercedes or I want, I want the stuff. Although that might be important for you. There might be something in there where you feel like you've had a promise of something more in an area. And it's okay to say, God, I want this. Do you want me to have this? It's okay to have these conversations with us, with him. Uh, Okay, then go to chapter 9. I'm using a lot of scripture because I really want to convince you about this thing. I want want to convince you you that you have more to say in your own healing and the healing around you than, uh, than, you, than you know. And think about this. Now, we all come from different cultures, right? We know that there's, 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 uh, there could be Hispanic, black, white, West Coast, East Coast, Southern, all different, right? You can come from an Episcopal background, a Catholic background, a Holy Spirit background, a holiness background. You can come from a middle-class background, a poverty background, or a super wealthy background. You can come where nobody's educated in your family to everybody's educated in your family. And that all creates a culture of how we see the world, right? Adopt the culture of heaven, which is a culture of I, I want to. Not if, not will, but what you believe for. There's another culture that we're supposed to be adapting that actually supersedes our culture, that actually we give up all of our cultural ways of thinking so we can have another paradigm, another way to see. So in verse 22, uh, verse 21, this is the one with the issue of blood. And she said to herself, "If if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Notice Jesus didn't tell her, if you'll touch my cloak, you'll be healed. Try to catch me. 
We don't have any idea that she prayed and God said, if you can touch his cloak, you'll be healed. She decided, if I could do something so extreme as to touch his cloak, to be in his presence, I'll be healed. And then Jesus turns to her and remember, she touches it. He knows something has gone out of him. So the presence of God is so tangible that Jesus knew that it went out of him. And um, take heart, my daughter. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. And this is a woman who for years, it says she, she, she used up all she had. All, all of her, she used up all of her language and all of her friends that were depressed with her. She used up all of her seven-step programs of how to get healed. And she decided has healed you. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. I healed you. Your good works healed you. Your faith has healed you. And, and, and we talked about this a couple, couple three or four weeks ago. That her faith was what connected her to the presence of God. So we don't emphasize faith incorrectly. And then verse 28 and 29. Uh, this is a blind man, the, the blind man calling out to Jesus. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he said, asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done. And their sight was re- restored. So in this, in this, what if you put yourself in your, in your sickness, in your disease, in your poverty, in your depression? And by sickness and disease, poverty, depression, I mean spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And I, and, I, and I do mean physically, too. If you're physically poor, ask God to touch you. Ask God to touch how you think about money. Ask God to touch you, how you what you're believing about yourself, what your worth is. Ask God to touch you, to show you and identify you. As, as a prince and a, or a princess and not a pauper, not a beggar. And so there's those areas there that we ask him. There should be a whole lot less praying in how we pray and a whole lot more conversation with God. <laughs> and so in, in, in this, these two chapters will give you a lot, whole lot of things when, you, when, you, uh, you know, when I'm able to free you from addiction. Do you believe I'm able to lift you out of financial poverty? And then your answer your true answer will say a lot about you. If you say yes, then you intentionally start walking towards that because you have another level of belief. But if you say no, you don't have to sit in that no. You can actually find your way to saying a new belief. Yes, I do believe. All right? So when we're looking at, at uh, those three things, you don't have to ask because it's God's will. Unless, it's, unless you wrote something down ridiculous. Like, I hope Les wears a suit and tie on a Sunday morning. That would be ridiculous and going against God's will. All right? So, but if you wrote something down, I mean, check, think about that. Look at that and ask the Lord, Lord, are these things for me to have? Is this mine to have? Is this mine to have? I was sharing, I was at a, a Tomball Independent School District meeting. Um, we had about 30 pastors there. And a guy from another church came in, saw him. He goes... I want to talk to you about your trip because I just got back from a trip and he's on Facebook with me. And, and he goes, yeah, I thought he was going to ask me, like, where did I go and stuff like that. And he came back around and he said, um, I saw you on your trip while I was having a hard time and it inspired me that there's, there's lots of fun things to do in life. I thought, that's interesting. He goes, it's not jealous. Like, I wish they didn't have that. But, oh, God, could I have some of that? And we should have more of that. You know, just uh, the guy I traveled with was was Jim Sim, and so when I see Jim interact with people, it's easy for me to go, "Oh man, I wish I was that friendly." And over the last fifteen years, I've said, "God, I want some of that. 
I want to be that engaging and that. That's why I'm working on my storytelling. Because he's a masterful storyteller. It's funny how he can tell a story. He can tell a story in a group of people that he's never met before. I wouldn't dare do that. And, uh, but there, there's a freedom that we should say, you know what? I want some of that. And God, these th- three things on my list, I want these things. And I shared with this guy how I had never traveled out of, uh, I've been like, like, um, like Ecuador and Mexico and the United States. And I'd always want to go to Western Europe. And then, you know, we had Victoria. We were a little bit older, like 45. And so I decided I don't get to travel. I decided that thing on my list was not going to exist. And I was willing to give that up. And the Lord said, why would you give something up that you want? And so what we do, we give up our healing. We give up our our job. We give up our ministry. We give up the position that God has for us just because it hasn't come yet. Or just because it looks like now I've made some choices that has wrecked it. And the Lord was like, less that's sour grapes. Well, I don't have it still hoping for it or asking for it. I will decide on my own. I'll preemptively become visionless. I will say, I don't want that anymore. So I want you to add things to your list. Don't make your list long, but have three things this year from here, from here through your summer and go to the Lord with them. Maybe using uh, the scriptures out of, out of um, Matthew 8 and 9. All right, just go ahead and stand up. Look at your neighbor and say, it is God's will for me to be healed. Do it. Look at your neighbor and say, it is God's will for me to be whole. Awesome. All right. So it's, it's closed. Bow our heads. So, Father, we just thank you for your healing and your wholeness, your fullness. And, God, we thank you for that whole enchilada mentality of, uh, of the kingdom, that we're not... We're not dependent upon what we've done in our life. We're not dependent upon um, our own strength that we are resourced from heaven. Teach us how to enter into your presence on a regular basis. Teach us to fill our homes with your presence. Teach us to change our beliefs to line up with the beliefs in heaven. To line up with your heart towards us. Stevie said this morning that there's there's a perfect pattern of, of the Old Testament for the, this morning, God, we declare that we are the pattern for the temple closest to your heart. That we are conduits and places and habitation places for your Holy Spirit, for your presence. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And in your presence, there's perfect peace that passes understanding. In your presence, there we are full of righteousness. And in your presence is overflowing with gifts of the Holy Spirit, including healing. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.